0: Welcome to another episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue Podcast. This episode, we are lucky to have a Pit Nick Barbecue on Instagram. Nick has joined us to talk about his experience of modding his own barbecues and also some great conversations about not only his love of different types of meat and grilling, but also his love of IPAs.
1: So, welcome to the show, Nick. How are you today?
2: yeah uh, good yeah good i mean, thank you yeah we're looking forward to this great to chat to you both great to meet you both um thank you. And be a part of this really because i've listened to i think five
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, five of the previous ones i didn't listen to to last week's yet i haven't had a chance but the, the previous one yeah i've been really entertaining really thoroughly enjoyed listening um, thank you you know learned a yeah. few things Tried the uh, the roast potatoes in the fridge, or the potatoes in the fridge to get to get good roast potatoes. You know, I been, haven't had a fun, chance
0: uh, yet. Does that make a huge um, difference? Yeah, no, it did work it?
2: actually. No, it was it did make a difference. Yeah, it did improve it. So no, it's been good. Really, so happy to be happy to be part of it. Thank you for inviting me along. No worries at all.
1: Let's do a little introduction then, Nick. Do you want to tell us who you are? And we know you from social media, but just sort of tell our our listeners a bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, so. Nick Picnic Barbecue is my Instagram name. We'll come on to Instagram and my experiences on there and how long I've been on there in a little bit. But so I'm 49, have two children, a son who's 24, getting married next year uh, and a daughter who's six. So a little bit of an age difference between them. (laughs) Um, I live just north of Bristol been lived in this part of the world for 20 odd years from from Shropshire originally in the Midlands. In terms of barbecue I think I got into it I mean what it's not a lockdown thing for me for a lot of people I know that lockdown has been a real catalyst for getting into to cooking in particular outdoor cooking but for me it kind of started probably six or seven years ago I hadn't really owned a barbecue before then kind of been living in shared houses often not much of a garden difficult kind of environment to to own that kind of kit and, and and develop an interest in it but there was I guess six or seven years ago perhaps even longer ago than that pulled pork started appearing everywhere
0: yeah so you go that. to restaurants yeah. pulled
2: pork could be on the menu you could buy it in Sainsbury's Tesco's in packs um, Burger King started putting pulled pork onto burgers and things like that and um, it just seemed to be everywhere and, and kind of, you know, tried it, liked it, didn't really know how it was made or, or you know, what part of the, the picket had come from. And then I was used to walk to work then. So I had about, you know, good, a good half an hour walk to work in Bristol, past loads of kind of bus bus shelters. And on them, they obviously have advertising for, um, for you know, Burger King, KFC. And I think KFC started doing a pulled chicken sandwich Ah, uh, yes, I remember um, obviously that, As, yeah. as they're as kind of trying to, you know, crack that that pulled market, I guess, to try and compete with those that were doing pulled pork. So I just, and you know, walking past those pictures every day, <laughs> I was just like, that looks really good. I'd always kind of liked anything that said flame grilled on it. So you know, it was a bit of a sucker for flame grilled on a menu and things like that. So I always enjoyed that kind of food, but thought, okay, well, pulled pork, I can't go to restaurants all the time just to have, pulled pork let, let me see how you know find out how it's made and then obviously discover oh it's smoked you know it's a, it's a smoked pork shoulder well how can I do that how can I do that at home and it's just kind of my research into how I how I could make pulled pork for myself without having to go out to the restaurants and what have you to to do it how can I make it myself and it all it all sort of spiraled from there really um and discovering oh, I didn't really even know what smoking was in terms mm. of being able to do it at home obviously you can buy smoke bacon and and what have you i didn't realize that you could get the you know the, the the apparatus the equipment to do it at home that kind of where it started and i went we went to america me and my son went to a bit have a sightseeing trip to the states kind of for uh five or six days um so we went to new york and we went to washington it wasn't a barbecue trip but we were you know we were both we we're both keen to eat as much as we could while <laughs> we were there <laughs> we went to a a shopping mall in in Washington. I think it was by it was in Pentagon City. Just we, we wanted to pick up some stuff, uh, you know, souvenirs and what have you. Then within the food court in the shopping mall was a barbecue restaurant. Probably wasn't very good. It was probably a chain, but you know, we stuffed ourselves with with brisket, pulled pork, and wings. And thought, you know, I, I need to be making this stuff at home. You know, I need to. This is so good. I can't just come to, to New York or Washington every time <laughs> I want to eat it. That could get they're, expensive. Not,
0: they're not flavors that you find often over here in like restaurants or anything. So you have to be able to create them yourselves if you want that level of flavor in the UK, or at least that's what I found personally.
2: Yeah. Obviously we had, you could get barbecue things um, yeah. that sort of said flame grilled or barbecue. and I, I don't know. You know, it probably wasn't authentic or genuine by any stretch. It was probably just barbecue sauce tipped on the top of <laughs> any old meat that they, they cooked in the kitchen. <laughs> But and then the other thing on that trip was we we had we had wings in in uh, in New York we had hot you know buffalo hot wings sort of thing they were amazing nice. they were so good, Sp- you know spicy mm. um, you were sweating like a lawn sprinkler eating them but it was uh, <laughs> um, you thought I you know I need this is the kind of food I want to eat at home you know I want to I want to do this stuff at home so started researching you know, I didn't do an awful lot of research into the barbecues for me it was kind of looked at a few videos and and focused in on offsets
0: mm-hmm. and
2: thought you know and, and and the noise around offsets was it was all the Americans you know this is that this is the way to do it I probably looked at an Aaron Franklin video and thought you know I could do that <laughs> <All> the problem <laughs> is we, we've all done and, and I just thought offsets it feels a little bit more authentic to some of the other things that were on the market and I kind of focused in on that. On getting an offset so I, I did it was cheap thin nasty and <laughs> um, bought it as a bundle with with a chimney starter a bag of bag of lump wood chicken holder to do a price, yeah. which i've never used a couple of other other accessories some meat claws for um, for pulling pork etc and <laughs> I, I sort of thing as you do i bought a book i thought i'd, I'd, I'd buy a book rather than YouTube. I did. I have watched a lot of YouTube since then, and, and a lot of the Americans, and I still, I still do. So, um, what, what was the book you purchased? So it was. I can't remember the title. Uh, it was guy got by a guy called uh, Gary Wivitt. I, I googled him earlier because you. Don't, I don't hear of him at all on the scene or on the on the circuit. But he, he's he's good Google. He's described as you know, a guru or you know some sort of words of that effect. But it was it was quite it's an amusing book. I'll I'll, I'll dig it out and post it so you can see because you can get it on Amazon. It was really funny. It was really quite a, quite a good read in terms of what barbecue is um, and that barbecue is a is a it's not it's a cuisine. You know, it's a style of food. You know, so you you cook barbecue, you eat barbecue, you don't have a barbecue in, in you know in, in the way he was he was putting it across. And it made it, there was quite a lot of amusing anecdotes in there and comments. So he started you off on just chicken, basically just doing a couple of half chicken. I don't think they were spatchcock, I think they were half chickens. And there was instruction, there was kind of a, a process to follow if you had a um, Smoky Mountain, if you had an offset, and if you had a kettle. So he would, he would do, you know, he went through each, which was quite good. But <laughs> I, I this, this offset i've still got it i still use it to grill on when i need extra real estate but as, a, as an offset it was awful you know it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was it was thin it leaked um in terms of you know smoke a lot of guys that buy them in the states modify them so i watch loads of youtube videos on modding on modding this this offset to, to improve it and i think i spent more on trying to modify it than i did on actually buying it you know, and I put what was it? Um, like a, a ventilation tube. You know, one of those concertina silver things. I put that, yeah. um, clamped that to the bottom of the chimney to to bring the stack right down to the to the grates. Put more gasket tape on than you could you could imagine. Tried to block <laughs> up every leak with foil. I was just stuffing in tin foil around the around the edges of the of the lid to try and keep the smoke in. Really, not having a clue about clean you know good clean burning fires at this stage at all probably over smoked the first couple of chickens because the first couple of cooks in this book i I thought i'll follow this book because he said he says in it you know don't don't leap ahead don't go to brisket just follow this through because you won't you'll just mess it up so followed it through for yeah i probably over smoked the first few chickens um i think the first one was you know it tasted like it had 40 wood binds before it, did. <laughs> um, it had been killed It and it was fine, you know, it was, and then did a couple more and then tried to do other, other bits and pieces. But really the one thing I struggled with, which is probably something I don't know if we'll leave for barbecue fails, was was just getting the thing lit mm-hmm. um, really struggled. And I, and I realized probably not until a good year later, why I was struggling Getting it lit for one reason or another. My chimney starter had no holes in the side.
0: Um, so it was just. No ventilation whatsoever. Yeah,
2: apart from the bottom, a little bit at the bottom, and it had no holes in the side at all. So it was one of the worst chimney starter you could get, which of course came with the, the offset as, as a bundle. I'm looking to get an offset smoke, and you're really
1: selling it to me right <laughs> what's, the, what's the brand I'm it gonna does, go on Amazon right now <laughs> it does
2: get better I'll, I'll, I'll reveal the brand in a sec um in the book this 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 Gary Wivett says or oh, you can you can roll up three pieces of newspaper put them in the bottom light it and in 10 minutes you'll have it'll be it'll be raging you know you'll have a you'll have an inferno going in your style <laughs> so and I was like and I watch people on YouTube do it. And yes, they, apparently they did it in 10, 15 minutes, which is ridiculous. You know, I, even even now, <laughs> even now, I don't, it's it's probably 20 minutes mm-hmm. at, the, at the best and, and with a good chimney starter with natural fire lighters and with good quality lump wood. But back then I was, it was literally 45 minutes to get the, the, the chimney starter lit. And I was, you know, doing all sorts of things to try and, to try and get it lit. The, the paper would just instantly burn away and it would, it would, you know, there was no way it was going to light what was above it yeah it was you know I was chucking wood in the top of it wood chips tipping wood chips into the top of the starter <laughs> <laughs> Of course, all the only effects that had was to fill the garden with smoke because there yeah. was a little bit of heat down right down the bottom everything just smoldered and, and you know we lived in a small small terraced house then with a small garden and it just you know, the whole street was just full of my my smoke from trying to get the thing lit with Two people <laughs> into the top.
0: Dirty smoke so, as well, I imagine, as well. As oh, always, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, filthy. horrible. Yeah,
2: no. So, and then I kind of kept it. Slowly improved. It wasn't barbecuing an awful lot, maybe a couple of times a month, maybe two or three times a month. But then we moved um, to where we are now, Um, much bigger garden. And for New Year's Eve, I did, a, I did my first pulled pork. So it had taken me that long to get to build up to anywhere, you know, trying to attempt to pull a pork shoulder. Um, so got got a pork shoulder, for New Year's Eve, and, and fluked it. To be honest, it was a complete fluke. Nine hours. It took just nine hours. I've had pork shoulders take twenty hours you know, in those then <laughs>
1: Yeah, it took
2: nine hours, and it was fine, and it was it pulled apart beautifully. And but it was a complete fluke. You know, I didn't. I don't know how I managed it. Um, just that the gods were, were were smiling down on me that day. I think. And even to the time, you know, it was even like, you know, half past six in the evening when the family that were around for New Year's Eve would wanted feeding, it was ready. You know, even after there was a rest built in as well. And it was, and I think that gave me a false sense of security. <laughs> do you know what? what this I, I, could do.
0: I completely agree with you. So the first time I did brisket, I really had no rough idea what I was doing. I, I'd watched videos. I talked to Owen about what he'd done before, but I was using different equipment completely because the, the kettle I've got, it's worked really good for me. The the like fire mountain one I've got, but it's not a big brand, it's not well insulated, and it was fairly cheap. But somehow that first brisket I did, fantastic. Mm. And it was nowhere near as long as other ones I've done. It, it like had the proper, like if you lift it up, like the proper bend and everything that it should have, it would have it was great. But like you've said, if that first important cook hadn't gone right. I don't know what would have happened if I would have kept mm. up with it, but sometimes yeah. just clicks into place and you yeah. take off. You get excited, don't you?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And 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 like I suppose the, the ne- and even then I what I didn't really know how to build a nice clean fire. I was just you know, it was it was you know it was more luck than judgment. You know things things took much longer than they should have done. Probably a lot of dirty smoke on my cooks. You know probably over smoking and quite acrid flavors. And then, well, in Bristol, we used to have um, a festival called Grill stock, um which was an annual barbecue festival. There was also some some grill stock restaurants. There was one in Bristol, Bath. There was one in Leicester. They're all kind of folded now. So yeah, so me and my son went to went to a grill stock. This is when I just had, still had the offset, and there was there was obviously comp, the, the, uh, competition teams there. So there was DJ Barbecue there? He might have been there. So there was kind of you know and. and um, Country Wood Smoke and, and all big the big names, it's Marcus, yeah, and the, and the and the competition teams. And wandering round, they all had Smoky Mountains, all of them. Weather Smoky Mountains, at least at least two each per team. They none of them were cooking on offsets. And I'd looked at Weather Smoky Mountain, you know, briefly before I got my offset. It was probably a little bit pricey for what you know for for me starting out at that point. And I thought okay, all the comp teams are using Weber Smoky Mountain. I've got to get one of those. That's because I'm really struggling with this offset. It got it got slightly damaged in the move. It got bent slightly. So it was even leakier than it was before. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was just, it was, and it needs, a. I mean, we all know offsets need massive amount of time during a cook. If you want to, if you want to do it properly and just, just burn wood, it'd be a stick burner, you have to be with it all, all day. And, you know, Personal circumstances, I just, we just didn't have the time to to tend the fire all day, and so I needed a little bit more of a, not a set and forget, but something a little bit more that you didn't need to be sat with it the whole time tinkering yeah, yeah. with it with the fire, etc. And I thinking, well, if the competition teams are using Weber Smoky Mountains, then it must be getting good results. You must get good flavor off it, you know. Um, so. Took the plunge, got the full, uh, the biggest one, 57. And not, I didn't need it, but I, I thought, you know, go hard or go home, right? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was wait, waited a few, few weeks for for an offer, I think, to come along. Got that, so and and that kind of started getting a bit better with the, with the longer cooks, either the bigger joints and the bigger pieces of the bigger pieces of pork, and and done turkeys and, and what have you um ribs obviously so it, it is a little it's quite reliable piece of piece of kit isn't it you know if you, once you've got the temp the temperature set really it's and you've got enough enough coals in there it's pretty good and you don't have to do much much to it during a cook really just have you still got it have you still got you it, it yeah 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 absolutely yeah, yeah so i use it for pulled pork occasional brisket i haven't done many briskets i did a turkey the other day um turkey crane on it. I, I tend to do I tend to do ribs, ribs on it. Probably baby backs I'd probably do on my kettle, but St. Louis cut ribs and, and Jacob's ladders I'll do on the on the, like the smoky
1: mountain. I've also got the 57 centimeter Smoky Mountain. Um and I actually cooked on it today. I cooked some spare ribs, which probably the best ribs I've ever cooked actually. Mm. Out of my own back <laughs> <laughs> and um do you find you were talking about leaking on the offset do you do you have on your Smoky Mountain just around the t- 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 top of the door that mm. you find it it leaks a fair amount for you
2: it didn't to start off with and I don't know whether the door got bent a little bit because they're really thin aren't they those doors they are. Um, um it didn't to start off with then it did it started to to leak quite quite appreciably and also ran the the rim where the lid the lid sits as well so I and you can buy kits to change the handle and whatnot, um, but I, I just bought some gasket tape, and just you know, with a self adhesive strip on that, you stick it on, and that re- and around the door, and that's really improved it. Uh, and also some some around the top. I still got a little bit of leak, but nothing like I had before I I put that gasket tape on. So, um, and that wasn't that wasn't that expensive just to buy a buy a strip of that, roll of that, and and put that on. And it's held pretty well actually. Sometimes it peels off. But it's it's made a big difference. So I haven't done that yet. I haven't bothered
1: to... And I, It was one of the first things I did because I actually considered taking it back but then mm. kind of read that actually it, it just seems to be part of that setup. Yeah. But I haven't gone to the trouble of actually putting gasket tape or anything mm. around it. I'm not sure it affects me enough or it'll affect the cook enough Yeah. To warrant it. I don't know how much. how much you gain by having... That tape around there, I don't
2: know. I think I. It was taking a long time to get up to temp. I mm. don't know whether that was because it was a bit leakier than than when I first got it, but it did seem to be taking, you know, a good hour, even more to get to get to sort of two fifty Fahrenheit. Uh, I, I kind of use Fahrenheit because of all the the American mm. videos that I on YouTube that I watched originally, kind of. Two fifty is just the kind of the temperature, isn't it? That yeah, trying to hit for most cooks. If you're doing if you're doing low and slow, I don't know whether it's the, it was that, but it just seemed to be taking a lot longer than it, I think it should have done to, to come up to temp. Yeah, and and on some cooks it didn't even get above two ten, even though I was putting a lot of fuel in, for whatever reason. That's one of the things about the Weber Smoky Man. It's a bit of a faff if you need to do something to the fire. You have to take it all apart. Because yeah, the door isn't... It doesn't really give you... Once you've opened the door, there's not actually that much access if you've got the your water pan in and your other... There actually isn't a lot of room to do much with the fire, so... I just, I just throw it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, just, I, stick my, I literally
1: <laughs> stick my hand in and then yeah. throw it. Uh, Probably not safe.
2: <laughs> I don't know whether that... that, it, But it, the last couple of cooks I've done, I've been much better. So I don't know whether they're, they're, the, the two things are connected. Certainly... I didn't feel that I was losing anything in flavour, in terms of you know smoke getting into the meat. Cooks were taking, aside from it taking a lot longer to get to the temperature I wanted to, in some cases it didn't. Cook times were as you as you'd expect. So I don't know whether that that helped with that that issue I was having, but it kind of it does make you wonder, doesn't it, when you see all that kind of a lot of smoke billowing out from the door, actually what is it really the most efficient cooker you can have um, if you are trying to smoke a big joint up top and actually it would be more efficient if you did try and close those, those gaps a little bit.
0: I always think if you've got that sort of leakage, it's probably the longer cooks that you're more going to notice it. You know, mm. if you've got something that needs to stay on for like 20 hours, 18 hours or something, that amount of time, then you probably are going to see more of a difference compared to if you're doing something like six, eight do you know what I mean? But um, yeah. it's interesting you say about kind of the, the keeping the temperature because the kettle that I've got at the moment, I've got to be really precise on how, not only how I close it, but like the angle of the lid and everything is. Oh, really? If I yeah. want it to stay, I've got it down to a knack now, but for a while it's like the temperature's all over the place. It's either jumping up or it's coming down. I can't keep it stable. And I literally have to have it at a certain angle. Otherwise you will see the leakage around the sides and the top. Mm. So... Mm from my experience, I haven't modded mine at all. And I have to say, I love the fact we're talking to you. The first person we've spoken to who's properly inspector-gadgeted their equipment, but I love it because you're making the most out of it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the one, I'll I'll come onto my my kettle in in a sec, but the one one mod, it wasn't really a mod on the offset. It was was more a try to improve heat flow or the, the flow of the smoke through the, the cooking chamber from the from the firebox was that a lot of people were using um, baffle plates to try and, you know, funnel the smoke through a certain direction mm-hmm. through the through yeah. the cooking chamber. You know, and, and these guys were all, they're basically metal fabricators. They were coming up with these amazing, you know, things that they did at home with all their uh, kit, you know, and I'm like, well, what can I do? So I, we used to have a parrot um, back in those days, or my, my partner did. Fortunately, she couldn't cope with a parrot, and, and when my daughter was born, it was too much, um, so the <laughs> parrot went. Um, but we had, a, we had a, a small, we had two cages, um, so I took the smaller of the two parrot cages and, and basically cut, it was quite thin metal, so cut out baffle plates from the bottom of a parrot cage I went and went bought some like, metal snippets from, from B&Q and cut these plates out to fit so they would go across the, the cooking chamber cover them in foil and they were clean i mean you know i'm not going to put, put something that was covered in guano into my uh, <laughs> <laughs> the cooking chamber probably um, add to the flavor though um, yeah. <laughs> A bit more exotic and, but you know i'm doing this because i've seen people on youtube do it and they say well, yes, what you need to do without really understanding if that's makes any difference at all but those those were the kind of lengths that I was prepared to go to, to get, to get a good cook out of that thing. But as I said, I still got it. And I still do use just the grill, just to use it for some direct grilling, really, if I need need the extra. But once I'd got the Smoky Mountain, I was then left with a bit of a gap. And it's a big, the, the offset's a big old unit. It's just a bit of a pain to try and get in and out of where I keep the grills. It's really quite heavy, um, not particularly practical. So I went and bought, and I thought, well, I need I need a grill. I just need something so I can just, you know, do burgers on or um, sort of smaller cuts, chops, and and, and things like that. And um, so I went and got a Master Touch that was in a in a sale as well. So I hung around for for a good deal on, on that. And to be honest, now seventy percent, seventy five percent of my cooks are on the are on the, the Weber Master Touch, and it's it's just solid. You know, it's just a great a good entry. Good entry grill. I'd recommend it to anyone. I watched a lot of. There's a guy on YouTube called Rye R-Y Cooking with Rye. His 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 channel's called, and he does a lot on on kettle. And he does a lot of a lot of stuff on 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 his kettle, and that really helps me sort of just understand that actually there's no there is no real limitation to it. And you can do. I've seen people do briskets hot and fast on it, so you can pretty much do do a lot. You know, most most cooks on on a, on a kettle like that and it's so easy just to fire up it's really quick yeah and I said with, with, a, with a decent chimney starter now that I have which is a which is a which is a web or one proper holes <laughs> <in> the <sides. laughs> Although I could have just drilled holes in the side of the old one it's just kind of I don't know how I don't know whether I won that chimney starter or it came it might have come with the, the master touch I think I know I know I didn't buy it mm. um on its own I think it might have come with a master touch as part of the deal, so with a decent with decent starter, the the natural firelighters, you know the, the wax yeah. cylinders of, of shavings, really. Aren't they? I don't know what the right term for them. So so it's once I discovered those, just put two of those at the bottom, you know, half full chimney. Not even that sometimes, depending on what I'm doing. And it's you know, if 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 I use lump wood, it's it's twenty minutes to get it going. Heat beads, which is what I use for longer cooks, the Australian heat beads, and generally as the briquette I use, that they, they take a bit longer. Um, so that might be 25, 30 minutes before they're, they're firing. But it is, you know, just a really good dependable grill. You know, I know kind of how it behaves now, and which is obviously when you buy a new, a new pit, you need to understand how it behaves and, and what it can do in terms of temperature spikes. Obviously, Dan, you're talking about yours is is a little bit up and down and it's, it can be frustrating isn't it when it spikes right at the beginning mm. and it's too high at the beginning and you're trying to think it's really difficult to bring it down it's it's, it's almost be, be a bit more conservative and maybe that's, that's try what and build i've learned yeah. start
0: really really low once you've got it going the chimney star and everything turn the vents right the way down not off but slightly get it so you're consistent and then slowly build it by using the vents to get where you want to be and I find if I do it that way and I'm careful, it can hold consistently. But because the early experience I have or I had, I'm still checking it every like 15, 20 minutes. I can't, like you were saying with some of the other grills and the Smoky Mountain, I don't feel confident to leave it for like two hours. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or, or even an hour. I feel like I constantly yeah. need to be checking it. E- even with like wireless thermometers, I'm still like that just because it's, it's in my. OCD back of my head now with the way that I'm barbecuing with that equipment. And I also I love the fact that you say with a kettle, you can still do all different types of cooks, which is the great thing about a kettle. The one thing mm. that I find that limits me is the size. Because although I've got like the large kind of grill space, as it were, I don't have the dimension of levels. That, yeah. that that's where I feel like I, I'm struggling well that and the heat retention yeah. <laughs> obviously
1: the good, the good thing about the kettles and especially Weber is if you've got the the GBS system as well there's just so many accessories that you, you yeah you could legitimately make you wouldn't need an oven because they have all of the accessories to legitimately cook pretty much every single thing that you would need to cook using an oven in in, in that kettle um yeah and it was the best bar that I did you know with with Weber sort of seven seven odd years ago which I've already mentioned but you know since then I've added rotisseries I've got the plant you know like a griddle plate I've got um pizza stones I've, I've you know the, the lot really and I think it just gives so much versatility to it now yeah and it's like you said Nick they're so dependable and actually mm. down what I've what i found with the kettle with the Weber kettle obviously I can't speak for your barbecue but you can leave it, you know, you can do some ribs and you can go away for two hours. If you've got some decent charcoal and it's set up right and you've got the vents
0: right, you can leave it for an hour, hour and a half and you just know that that temperature is not going to go anywhere. It's my confidence on it because I'll go back Mm -hmm. and I won't have to change anything at all. But because of those early cooks, I still haven't got that checking out of my system at all. It drives my wife insane. If I'm doing a six hour cook and I'm out there every 15 minutes to check the temperature... (laughs)
2: Are you are you checking off a pit level probe, temperature probe that you've got in, so there, in terms of the temp?
0: So I've got, obviously I've got the like built in thermometer, but then mm. I also at the moment have um, like Inkbird wireless thermometers, which are two separate ones, which I'll actually put in the meat, but you can mm. put one in the meat and leave one out to check the actual air temperature as well. And then I also have a instant stick thermometer as well. So it's like a combination of those three things. But the point, point is, as long as at the moment, now I'm confident with what I'm doing, as long as that top kind of thermometer on the top of that barbecue is holding,
2: hmm.
0: I know where I am. Because the hmm. other thing is, the more you open and close that grill, the harder it is to keep that temperature, which hmm. was the other mistake I was making early on.
2: Yeah, that's one of the things that that was in that book said, you know, do not open the grill to check. Yeah. Yeah, do not just don't. Um, of course, you know you you want you want to make sure it's not it's not still raw or burnt to a crisp because you don't you don't have that experience to call upon, don't you? I mean, and you're yeah. taking someone else's word for it. Uh, don't open the grill. Don't open it. No, no, I'm just going to peek. You know, I want to see <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> and yeah, I don't. I mean, the. I mean, I've got an Inkbird. The I don't use the wireless setup on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because where i've got everything is down the back of the garden and it's well out of range yeah and it drops I, I I don't even get to the trampoline and it's gone
0: no, that's the um, one thing i'd <laughs> say that, Inkbird. I i like it but the range on it isn't long enough for what i'd like luckily for me and this is something which i was going to say earlier in the podcast a lot of our foreign listeners might not realize most british homes have tiny gardens compared to the rest of the world, absolutely mm. minute gardens. So even though my garden is very, very small, and you'll be able to see from my Instagram kind of how close the barbecue is to the house, if I step further away than my kitchen, it'll drop. So like in a straight line, you're probably looking at like five meters, mm. six meters, and and it'll drop. Whereas, you know, you hear about other ones where you can pretty much go to town, <laughs> and it'll be fine through the wireless Yeah. Setup.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if, whether it was um, Mr. Beads was when he was talking about, you know, he, he'd he'd go shopping or I can't remember who. He, well, I don't know whether it I think was it was Ross. It might be was it two five right. six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, he'd be in the, in you know shopping and checking his phone to make sure you know. And, and I and I don't know whether I can't do that, so I, I can't I can't say whether I would I would like to do it or not. I know I can't technology wise it wouldn't work, but I don't know whether that kind of takes a little bit of the um, mystery out of out of barbecue. There's a lot of technology these days, and I'm I kind of feel that I've got all the technology I want in terms of apps and things. Well, I can't use it, so I just I just have to wander down the garden and just take a peek at what what it says. If it looks about right, just walk walk off again. With the kettle, because I'd watched this cooking with Rye if he's doing something that's going to take maybe four hours um, on there, he will, he will open it. He may maybe put a little, another chunk on, um, but he will basically shake the ash, the the, the coal basket um, Mm -hmm. to, to clear it out a little bit and to make a little bit more airflow in in that. So he will just get his tongs and he will, you know, shake the side of it to sort of knock the excess ash off. So I do that and that works and it, and it, and it helps to, you know, to clear the, clear the flow a little bit. So I don't, I don't, you know, opening it, opening it for the right reasons yeah. is fine. I think it's just, you yeah, know, if you're if you're fussing about with it and for no other reason than you just want to see see what's happening, it's that that's that's the bad habit. I think so, yeah.
0: Unless I need to pull something to wrap it, I try and not open it. Kind of less than like a, leave it at least ninety minutes where possible it, and then some, I can slightly open you, it, add bits and put back down but you know occasionally you will have to open it for different reasons
2: well spritzing cuz i mean yeah, some things yeah. you you know if you want to if you're not wrapping the ribs and, and i don't always wrap ribs um you want to make you know you want to do a quite a regular spritz um you obviously have to have to open and close then but it's yeah it's it's doing it for the right reasons i think yeah, it's a, yeah. So I had a similar
1: similar thing today. So I was smoking some macaroni cheese uh, on the Smoky Mountain once I'd finished the ribs. I just put a, another piece of cherry wood on just to kind of give it a, a nice sheen before I took it off. And rather than opening it while the smoke was still going, I I got my torch. And through the top exhaust vent, I was kind of shining it through <laughs> and just trying to look through just to see. I didn't want to, didn't want to lose any lose any of that smoke. <laughs> Firing
0: torpedoes
2: have... down into the spy cameras down the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've done that for um when I've done Yorkshire Puddings, because if you open and you're yeah, trying to do Yorkshire yeah. Puddings, it's game over. Um yeah. so I have I have shone a torch down the down the vent. Um, for you while I'm doing Yorkshire puddings to see just try and see what's happening but, yeah. I'm
1: glad I'm not the only one
2: yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> actually
1: talking about the, the Smoky Mountain and we we're talking about mods and the you know the gasket tape and things Nick I don't know what your opinion is on this but for me it's a pain in the ass. is that the lid like, unlike the kettle Weber kettle where it's got the little hook and you can just hook it onto the side I really wish they'd either built it so it's proper kind of levered Mm. Um, or it's hooked so that you could just hook it onto the edge. Whilst,
2: yeah, it was having yeah. to put it on the floor or hold yeah. it up. Yeah, because um, you know you European can is. you can buy a hinge, but it's not obviously doesn't come as standard. I'm not sure it's Weber. It's Weber produced either, and I I don't trust myself enough with a drill to start messing with yeah my Weber Smoky Mountain other than sticking gasket tape on it. I'll be all right. I've, <laughs> I've seen guys. I mean, so I know people that have got hinges. And, and, you know, it's great. But I just, I'm just not that good with a drill. You know, I just, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but if if I, if I end up wrecking it, then I, you know, I'd be pretty upset, I think. So the only thing I'm careful of is that obviously I, I put it down and then it's not going to chip the, chip the coating when, I, when I'm, you know, putting it on the floor because it's just going to, it just goes on to patio slabs. So yeah, I used to put, I used to have wood, you know, to board down just to stick it on, or, or just two pieces of, you know, two before or something to just to rest it on while it's so it's not, not, there's no danger of getting chipped. But it is, it is a little bit of a pain. But it's, it's kind of, it's just something I, you know, just live with really. Um, as I said, I, I, the, the thought of, Drilling into my Weber Smoky
1: Mountain. Oh, I'm the same. Way. I've just complained about it, but I won't put. I won't drill into a hinge. Right. It's just <laughs> yeah. all the other barbecues that I've got are either hooked or hinged, and it just makes your life a little bit easier. And that's probably just a little bit of a disappointment for me around the Smoky Mountain.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of things, aren't there? Design wise, like the door. I mean, better doors are available. People make better doors for it, and you and you know, I think it was a. I think I read or, or, or listened to someone talking on it that it was just it's just a cost thing. Well, that's that what I was going to
0: say. If you're going to they, invest in the extra door, then it's extra money on top. So to keep the yeah. price at a certain price point, that's probably where yeah. these things come in play.
2: Yeah, no, exactly, exactly that, done. Yeah, It was the it was the retail price that would, would would be impacted, and that I think they they felt it was that it was where they wanted it to be in the market, mm. and putting all these other things on would really take it to the maybe out of reach of, of some consumers. It's an annoyance, isn't it? But it's um, yeah. it's still
1: a good, it's a, yeah. still a great smoker. Don't get me wrong. And I do yeah. absolutely love it, but it's just, you know, one I've had mine for just over a year now and I'm starting to use it less because I've got a King Keg, which I smoke on more, mm. but it's just those little, little things. Now I've been using it for a year. just think, Oh God, it's just faff, you know? and the two what do you do you feel the same about the two level cooking as well um that you have to to reach the second or the lower grate you have to take the top one out to reach it but if you're mid cook and you say you've got brisket on top or poor pork on the bottom or vice versa you literally have to take the top grate out with the meat on mm. to access the second one which is also a bit of a faff
2: yeah i've never i've actually never used both at the same time um, Oh, okay the one thing i haven't explained that um most of the things that you guys see me cook i eat myself um my, <laughs> okay. my partner's my partner's vegetarian right um my, my most, most of my son doesn't live with live with me anymore well my six-year-old won't touch anything that's got more color in it than, than, than anything beige <laughs> um, so if something something is slightly charred she'll say i'm not that's oh, burnt i'm not eating that's burnt you know, even even toast you have, to, wow. you have to scrape toasts to get the darkest bits off. <laughs> um so yeah, she will eat she will eat sausages but only cooked in the oven. Mm. So I don't get any uh, don't get any char on them at all. So I'm basically you know feeding myself um with the cooks that I do. Um obviously we haven't had guests for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't had to really um do bris- brisket <laughs> over a pulled <laughs> pork, to be honest. Because I'm just, I'm just, you know, I just don't have the need to, to cook that much at, at one time. Um, so, the one thing I do do, and I noticed, I think on your your photos for your ribs cook today, that you had water in in the water pan. But do you, have you ever put sand in? No, I always use water. Yeah, yeah. Is it um, good, using sand? Well, I don't, I don't know to be honest. I mean, I. <sighs> Someone, again, it was, a, it was someone on, on YouTube said, oh, you know, no one puts water in it, you know, all the comp- the US competition, there'll be play sand in there, you know, you buy play sand because it's been cleaned and, and filtered, um, yeah. so sandpit sand basically. And it's just, it's, I don't know whether it made a difference or not. I used it for a long time. I've still got some, I haven't got, I think the last one was water when I did the Turkey Crown just before Easter or over Easter. I don't know whether it makes a difference or not. I'm just curious as to, but not many people here seem to seem to use sand at all. I've never heard of it. I've never heard of the
0: idea of using sand at all. And I've, I I don't think I've watched as many YouTube videos as you, But particularly over the last like three or four weeks, and I've been talking on the podcast that I'm I'm getting more and more desperate to get a second barbecue. And Owen's been bullying me for the last week about just bite the bullet and buy one and stop talking to me about it, you sod. Um, But um, it's not something I've seen. I mean, I watched like a 40 minute video yesterday evening about, um, it was something like top 30 mistakes people make when cooking a brisket, but I think Mm. the guy's called like the food scientist or something Mm. really, really interesting video. Absolutely loved it. But again, I never heard anyone mention sand before, Mm. but now you've said it, it makes sense because not so much in cooking, but I've heard sand used in other kind of professions to regulate heat Mm. in those sorts Mm. of ways. Um, again, kind of coming from Wales, being not that far from Patalbert, where there's steelworks and stuff like that, use sand in all sorts of different ways to kind of regulate the heat in different things they're doing there. Mm. So it, it makes sense. But um, yeah, it's not, not something I've heard of. If you of. think about it, f-
1: from the water, like uh, having liquid, as that heats up and creates steam, that steam is then going up to the meat, isn't it? And And in theory, should be then keeping, helping to keep the meat moist.
2: The moisture, yeah, yeah. I think the argument is that the it's more efficient because there's a lot of heat lost because it's, it's heating the water.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. In, like in the, the whole marine, process
2: inside. Yeah. And and I don't I, I I haven't done scientific analysis. You know, took you know time really all the. the Would you know, mind? We Why can then come either. back. to us. <laughs> <laughs> I need another one. Really, I need two two Smoky Mountains, one next to each other to do it, um, <laughs> because there are so many other things that can influence that on there i mean the, the, the i mean you we've done we've all probably done pork shoulders that that one takes a day the other takes as nine hours in the case of new year's eve for yeah. me and, and they're all even if you think you've got something identical to try and do a comparison like that there'll be some there'll be some external force that that perhaps means it's the, the, the what the analysis at the end is isn't particularly accurate but i'm oh, just curious I, I mean i don't I've asked the question of a few people that own them, own Smoky Mountains, and they, they just use water um, in the water pan. I suppose this is a perfect time to sort of
1: say if any of our listeners do use sand yeah. in a Weber Smoky Mountain, get in touch with us via our social media channels or email us at meetandgreetbarbecuepodcast at gmail.com and let us know how the sand affects the cooking in a Weber Smoky Mountain.
0: Can I also put this out there? I want to start a hashtag for this, sand or no sand. Hashtag sand or no sand. <laughs>
1: To see more content on our social media channels, follow the hashtag meet, greet, barbecue podcast. And for our cooking challenges, we set our guests each week. Hashtag barbecue bingo.
0: I'd love to speak to you more, Nick, about pulled pork. Um, okay. I mentioned it, I think, in the last episode. So I've only really done two pulled porks on my barbecue and both of them I've enjoyed but neither of them have pulled in the same way that I see online. Mm. Love the flavour I've got. Both of them pulled, but some of the videos you see online, people literally with one finger
2: yeah, I know. stick yeah. it in and the
0: thing like evaporates yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, do yeah. you get that sort of effect on yours? No. Or no. And what guides you in how long you cook yours for because I've always done mine by temp. I say always twice and both times mine seems to hit temp much earlier than what you read people talking so about. So what temp,
2: what temp do you take it to?
0: I cannot remember. I will literally mm. Google it on the day. Right. <laughs> if that makes sense. And then I'll just keep an eye out, keep an eye out, keep an eye out. Well, I set it on my inkbird. So the inkbird alarm will go off when it hits that temperature as mm. it were. And then I know to wrap it. And then when it hits the next temperature, I know to pull it.
2: I think I think that's fine. I think with something like that, you also have to probe it. Mm-hmm. With with, I mean, you've, have you got a, a thermopen or a, something similar?
0: I do have something that um, it's not a thermopen, but I, I do have something I use. I should get a thermopen to be honest, because it's not as instant yeah. as I'd like it to be.
2: You've got an idea of where it should be, probably yeah. I don't know, 190, between one ninety-five and two o five Fahrenheit, something something in, the, in that area. It's about ninety but, degrees, isn't
1: it in Celsius? Yeah
2: but but still still probe it with your your instant read um and if it's still if you still feel a little bit of resistance or it's not it's not going in like butter then then leave it on just leave it on for another 20 20 25 minutes so even if the temperature you know seems to be climbing higher than you you would have expected Mm -hmm. um still 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 probe it and if it still feels a little bit. Resistant, then then just leave it on for a little bit longer. Because with pulled pork, you, you, I don't think you'd, you'd you're gonna do any any harm by taking it a little bit further. With brisket, it's different. Mm. I mean, I'm not I've only done like three briskets, but, but <laughs> you do. I think there's a much pulled pork is a little bit. It's very forgiving, isn't it? And it, there's a little bit yeah. more window of, of of opportunity in terms of you know when to take it off. And it doesn't really matter if you're gonna leave it on for a little bit longer. Um, to to make sure that you're happy with the way it probes, I think that's that that would be my my advice. But but I for some poor pork, I've just lost patience. You know, I've just I've just said, look, I'm happy with the way it's probing. I prob- it could probably get better, but I'm starving. It's midnight. I've been waiting for this all day. <laughs> <laughs> I've st- it's still got two hours to rest. You know, I, I've I've eaten pulled pork sandwiches, you know, in the middle of the night just so I can say I've eaten eaten some of it on the day I've cooked it.
0: The resting, I think, is interesting as well because uh, when it comes to resting, I'll go, right, I need to rest it for at least an hour and a half and then it's as long as I am willing to wait before I'm hungry. Do you have a certain time that you wait for or do you even go by temperature when when you're resting? Do you wait for it to drop to a certain level?
2: How do you judge the rest? I would, yeah, I would probably leave... Try and leave pull pork if I could an hour and a half at least mm-hmm. I think and and actually I got this, something this, right
0: then <laughs> this, this
2: this book it kind of t- teaches you to think backwards really and and sort of say what what time do you really want to eat this okay I want to eat at a, you know eight o'clock something in the evening okay you've got to leave at least an hour and a half rest so pull it to so half six okay a little bit of. You know, faffing around, so it's quarter past six. In mean, experience, that this could take fifteen hours. This this thing, and then you, you sort thought, of think, crikey, I'm going to have to get up at three in the morning. But it, but at least it, at least it, it um, you're, you're factoring that in because resting. And we, when we, it's kind of something we learn, isn't it? That I didn't. You know, I always thought, crikey, don't don't rest it. Get served straight away. It's going to go cold. You know what? Yeah, you, yeah. And my mom, yeah. my mom, doing the Christmas turkey, we'd learn, put it. You know, we're not eating for an hour, Mom. Get it back in the oven. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's kind of one of the one of the fundamentals, isn't it, that you learn when you when you're doing barbecue is is to rest. You know, might need to be ten minutes, fifteen minutes for for a steak, or it could be several hours for something much bigger. But it's it's just something that you do, and it and obviously the benefits are um, are clear. I think. Yeah, um, it is important to factor that in for the time that you actually want to eat, particularly if you've got family and you know. And, and, and I, I'm, I've, I kind of learned that actually just do it the day before, well. <laughs> so, you know, something like that, because it's you know, I, I've had hungry people giving me grief. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's um, nothing worse. There isn't actually. No, and, and they're phoning out the takeaways, you know, and I'm. And I'm <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm actually interested to know, Nick. I can't remember which episode it was, but we were talking to another guest about pulled pork. And are you a, do you source your pulled pork, or do you or do you go plain?
2: I don't. I don't over anything really. I think I I kind of put a little bit in, but not masses. Um, so pulled pork. I will put a little bit in pulled pork. The other thing I, I do want to try just while we're on that topic is someone recommended pickle juice when you're pulling pork. And um, so seen I've had that. you know jars yeah. of um jars of bread and butter pickles, gherkins and that sort of thing and the and the liquid that's is apparently really good to, for, for pulled pork in particular. So I haven't tried that yet. But I would a little bit of sauce, not masses, and and maybe try and almost start pulling, maybe move a little bit off to the side and, and then add sauce to a to, to, to what's left. I think we we sometimes overcomplicate and, and, and put too much flavor into what we're trying to do. And we've got rubs, you might have injections, you've got the smoke, the meat itself. And then let's not forget that's, you know, we need to be able to taste that. Putting sweet, sticky, generally barbecue sauce, sweet and sticky on it, it's, we're gonna lose something, I think, in in the mm-hmm. overall flavor. And you're just gonna, you're just gonna perhaps you know, not taste the rub or not taste something else that we've we've worked hard to get into that piece of meat by tipping a load of sauce on it. So I will some, but not, not overdo it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I keep a catch tray underneath when I'm doing pulled pork to try and catch and retain as much of the juice as possible. And then once it gets to pulling, I'll try and add that back into the pull. But otherwise... Mm. I never source it. I let the people who are eating it source it because yeah. the last thing I want to do is add too much or too little flavor and it's not to what people want. If I can mm. say to people, there's the pork, add what you want to afterwards, here's four, five, six different sauces. fill your boots. I would prefer to do that and then get it wrong for someone's taste because yeah. people yeah. are so different when it comes to taste. Yeah. If, yeah. if you're in a situation where you've got four or five people eating it, all of them are going to want it differently. All of mm. them. And I'm always fearful of that
2: so ribs as well I, I don't i don't always source ribs sometimes i'll just let them go and just to see just out of curiosity or just to, just something different um so sometimes I wrap ribs sometimes i don't it kind of kind of just whatever takes my fancy on the day really um but I mean there are some really good sources sources out there mm. um but often, maybe just in a burger is, is where they where they where they go. Um yeah. I don't know. I mean yeah I do, I do glaze ribs from I mean today I did pork balls, basically moinks but with no beef. So yeah. it was just pure pork. They did um, look amazing by the yeah. way. Oh thanks. <laughs> it was <laughs> pretty simple. Um but I, I just glazed those with jack Daniel's barbecue sauce. Um yeah. with a but added a little bit of maple syrup. To it to make it even sweeter, um, but something like that, I think it it works quite well. And you you just let the glaze set a little bit, um for another fifteen minutes on the on the grill. Um, and how how was those peppers? The char that you managed to get on those peppers—they look so oh, padrón peppers. Yeah, no, I there's I, there's a, a greengrocer in Bristol. I mentioned earlier that I'd been to been to see my son. who lives in Bristol, and there's a greengrocer not far from where he lives. Really, quite a, you know, really quality quality you Get anything there. And they do these these Padron peppers. i would seen people do them just like as appetizers or for tapas or, or something like that. And yeah, you, you, I just put, just sprayed a little bit of, of, of olive oil on. You, you just put them on the direct heat to start blistering up. Only takes a couple of minutes um, to get that char. Um, and then just take them off, literally probably five minutes all, all together and then just put some, some good, good salt on um, mm-hmm. and just, you can have it as a, a bit of finger food while you're waiting for the main event or as I did I just had them on the side of 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 everything else um but whenever I go to you know um to Bristol I um pop into that green because I've I've never seen them anywhere else um to buy so it was pick pick a bag up you know nice very nice yeah you just just sit them on top of the um the coals and they just blister up really quickly Mm.
0: So this is the part of the podcast we like to call The Cut, where we have a fantastic butcher on board who's going to talk about a great cut of meat that everyone should go out and try doing something with. So would you like to introduce yourself to everyone listening?
3: My name is Tom Courts. I'm a second generation master butcher based in Burnt, Thailand in Fife, in Scotland, which is midway between... Uh, Edinburgh and St Andrews, uh, Burnt Island is a lovely little town on, on the Fife coast that used to be fondly known as the, the Playground of Fife. Um, it's a, a traditional holiday destination where people visit the town during the summer. Um, very busy last year with lockdown, obviously people couldn't really go away, people stayed local. I took the on, on a small butcher shop there in 2016. It was quite ironic. I... Um, I'd started my trade in a, a different shop further down the high street uh, many, many years ago. It was my father's shop and he retired and we all did different things, but he, he started again elsewhere and I uh, I joined the business again in 2003. Uh, I retired in uh, 2015 for a year and I opened this small shop in Burnt Island just as a hobby really. And things kind of took off again for us, us there. A year later, we won Britain's Best New Butchery Business at the Butcher Shop of the Year Awards down in London. And, you know, since then, we've won a few other major awards, uh, including the Holy Grail Award of the Scottish Haggis Champion. Um, it's only a small shop that we have, but it punches way way above its weight. And we have recently had to open a, a production factory just about half a mile away because we now have a, a website for our haggis, which is uh, branded under Burnt Island Haggis. You'll see that there out on the, the World Wide Web and we can deliver that to you next day anywhere in the UK. And we're just about to launch a retail meat website as well, Tom Coach Quality Foods. Um, I'm not allowed to say the date of the launch, but it is the 3rd of May. Uh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and, and we're looking forward to that. I don't know how that'll go. We'll probably be snowed under. Uh, I'll get a row yeah. off my wife for working 20 hours a day instead of the usual 18. But uh, very much <laughs> looking forward to that.
0: One of the things that's been really popular probably for the last 10 years, seven to 10 years or so, is this movement in the UK across the pulled pork. Mm-hmm. Come over from America. If people are looking to achieve that sort of thing themselves, where should they start?
3: Well, what you would use is a, a classic pulled pork. Is you use a shoulder report, but not just any part of the, you know any part of the shoulder. It has to be the specific what we call the butt piece of the shoulder, mm-hmm. which is like the ribeye uh, from from a, a shoulder report. It's the, the sort of the, the, the neck fillet muscle that run, runs through into the ribeye. And, um, you know, that, that is a great sharing meal as well, but it does take quite a a, a, low, a long and low, slow cook. So mm. that's something that, you know, you, you couldn't just put on the barbecue at uh, three o'clock and expect to have pulled by four o'clock. <laughs> so you, you, you'd want to have that really low in your barbecue with a controlled heat for maybe a good six hours beforehand. Um, mm. You know, pre, pre-season it, pre-rub it with whatever you like to use, uh, some sort of barbecue rub again and it's a a super meal as well and i've noticed that a a lot of people you know not only pulled pork they do pulled brisket as well brisket beef which does the same sort of job and you know pulled pork is again not just used on its own and say maybe flatbread or tacos but people use it as a topping on top of a burger Mm -hmm. and a burger a stacked burger and again it's it's really really nice are you a big fan of pulled pork is it something you cook personally yourself yeah we we do that quite regularly you know, even if it's not in the barbecue, if, it, if it's raining outside, you know it's something you would stick in the oven for six hours. You feed the whole family. You know, you, you could take a, a one kilo piece of you know the butt piece of the pork shoulder, and uh, that 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 feed five six people. You know, with uh, you know flatbreads or tacos, and it's, it's a lovely meal. Simple to prepare as well. Stick it in the oven, forget about it. Prepare some salad. Ten minutes, job done. Mm. And
1: again, is it quite popular with your with your customers?
3: absolutely yeah we've actually got a a, a nice cafe called the fix just down the road from our shop and they they go through oh, kilos and kilos and kilos of this every single week they do it on a toasty actually and uh, okay. it's a superb job that they do with it you know really nice and again but over the counter as well particularly at the weekends friday saturday we go through a a, a lot of uh you know pork butts we actually take whole pork shoulders we we, we in, in our shop, we've, we've won the, the Scottish Pork Sausage Championship multiple times. But that's one of the biggest parts of our trade is pork sausages, and we actually use the shoulder for that. So we buy a lot of pork shoulders in, independently just for that, but we take the you know the butt piece out and set that aside for the people, the customers that want to make pulled pork.
0: Tom, thank you so much for your time again, and we look forward to speaking to you again next time on The Cut.
1: So, tell the world, Nick. What what is your
2: barbecue fails? Um, was that, well, so I've mentioned some of the equipment fails that I had with the offset um, yeah. and lighting. Just letting the bloody chimney start to light. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> a couple of disaster pizza. My first try at pizza, my well, only try at pizza on the on the Master Touch was a disaster, really, because it just burnt the bottom. It just it just cremated the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that until 10 minutes in i thought oh actually it should you know probably over over overdone this a little bit possibly but i'll have a look you know <laughs> and it was like black as a tire underneath and the the, the pizza <laughs> stone was wrecked i mean it is it is it's still black now and that's never getting back to its original color the topping was okay so i just had to sort of scrape the topping off this charred base um so that i haven't um, done it again i'm just going to you know, I, I, one day I'm going to get um, an uni or a gozni or something and, and, yeah. and do pizzas properly. But toad in the hole, I tried to do toad in the hole and, and it didn't rise at all. But I think I know why it wasn't hot enough.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I did some pork belly burnt ends, which were inedible. That's probably the only thing I think I've cooked that i really struggled to eat. Um, I may even eat the, you know, the burnt pizza was just scraping the top off. But I ate, I ate something that these pork belly burnt ends, I don't know what I did to them, but they were they were awful. They were just, I couldn't chew them. They just would not chew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah, they were just resistant to chewing. So I did, I've done them a couple of times and they've been fine, but this this time they just, they were just awful. That's probably the only thing that I've been without, you know, getting getting through. But why, I have no idea, no clue. They're not a quick thing. belly. That was a real disappointment because that had taken a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, and, and, you know, everyone likes pink candy, don't they? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Looking forward to it. It was just those, I don't know what I did to it. It was just, it was tough. Wouldn't, it wouldn't chew. And it it was 20 minutes gnawing on the side of the one cube. (laughs) You probably burnt more calories in the candle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've had a few things that, as I said, have ended up in the oven just to finish off. Um, I've not, I've not enjoyed doing that. I feel I've, I've kind of failed, even though at that point smoke's not, not penetrating to me at all. we have long since stopped taking on smoke, um, but I've just, I've just said, Look, I can't. I've got to go to bed. I just have to, and I can't leave it because it's, it'll be done in an hour. Um, I just need to bring it in, and and so I know some people that that, that do that. Um, but I just think it's. A, I, I feel less of a, um, a pitmaster, master even dare I call myself that, path um, for doing that. But sometimes it's needs must because um, the timing's just, yeah, you know, on, on those big pieces, you just, you just don't know how long they're going to take. No, not um, at all. But but yeah, the burnt pizza was a, uh, and the and the inedible pork belly burnt. <laughs> but other than that as, as I, I either my bar is very very low in terms of expectation that's one thing I would like to do is in some way benchmark myself against other people that barbecue so you know taste some of their food um, and, and, and vice versa and see see kind of where I am in, in terms of whether I'm, what I'm cooking is any good or not and people you know when we do a family and guests over they always you know, complimentary I don't know how that's just being nice or or not, um, but that would be really good to to kind of because you have no sense of what what you're cooking is. If, if actually if, if yeah. someone else cooks that, if it's tasting the same, is there better? Why is it better? Has it got has it got more? You know, is it juicier? Has it got more better smoke penetration? Is it? I don't know. Um, but so that that would be interesting. But I haven't you know what circumstances just haven't haven't allowed that to happen. But that would be nice to you know to do some. Some cookups with you know, fellow enthusiasts.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: cuz taste what they're doing because because you know it's it's everyone you know works hard to do nice photos on Instagram, but actually, what what does it taste like? And, yeah. and is it? And my photos aren't as aren't as good, but flavor wise, which is what you know, I, I want nice nice tasting barbecue. You know, am I level with them? Am I you know have I got more work to do? Or you know am I Am I kind of, you know, hitting the mark, so to speak? So that would just be interesting. Um, so hopefully that will happen at some point. <laughs> what we yeah. should try and organise is essentially like a Glastonbury
1: of barbecue and just get all of the, the kind of British barbecuers from on Instagram and just get them all in the field. Yeah. We just have a massive cook-off.
0: Also, don't try and compare yourself to someone else's... Uh... Burn ends either if you've had a bad experience with your own it's all well and good comparing yourself but don't pick your worst cook to do that against other people either barbecue fails i always give my own um if the guests are i think that's only fair so i have two different ones uh tonight one is when i was a teenager and it was over someone else's house and they were the actual main person cooking but i was helping out And um, luckily for us at the time, and the parents still don't know this is what happened, so my friend's parents went away to Glastonbury and didn't take my friend. I won't name him because the parents might listen, but he was annoyed. So he was like, well, I'm going to have a house party. I don't care, I'm going to have a house party. They've said don't, I'm going to do it. And he decided that he wanted to do a barbecue, but, you know, we would have been 15 no idea really and we got the instant ones and he set them up hmm. on um the wooden table they had god knows how that didn't set a light and so he had like four or five disposable ones on there and we cooked a load of stuff and you know it was classic kind of kids first time barbecue the outsides <laughs> some black the insides were red and no one complained and they ate it as if it was we were in our own world because there was no adults around do you know what i mean um And I reckon there was probably about 30 people at this house party because when Glastonbury is, we just had a load of like mock exams. I think we were in year nine and the parents went away and he basically said the whole class, just go over on this Saturday. And so he's like, oh, we need to get everything off the table so we can sit around the table and have a drink. So we moved them all onto the side table, forgot about it. The next morning, because we said we'd stay and help him clean up, there was four of us left. Went out there and we'd put it on this. Effectively, it was like a column, a decorative column-style table. We didn't realise it was made of plastic. <laughs> it's like four or five barbecues had dropped about six inches, and there was these perfect intents. And um, we took the thing to the dump. And when his parents came back, he told them that it'd been nicked. <laughs>
1: Um, That's that's terrible.
0: (laughs) So that's one. The other one is just talking about where you said you failed with um, Yorkshire puddings. So Hmm. the first time that I did uh, or tried to do toad in the hole on my uh, my kettle that I've got at the moment, it was probably the third cook that I did on it, and it was before I was really doing Instagram at, at the time, and it was just me being stupid really so i was like right i want to get the oil as hot as i can before i add the stuff so i did that direct and the whole point was direct heat that get the batter in stick it indirect and i forgot to move it across so left it came out and this thing was giant i was like nailed it perfect start eating it i'm like the lower down i'm getting the worst it's tasting <laughs> what's going on and then I realized the black was the bottom was charcoal basically Mm. because it just had this fire screaming underneath it. And yeah, it was just, it looked good. The further down you got, the worse and worse it was. And the bottom was absolutely terrible. I had to actually like chuck out the pan that I originally cooked it in because I just couldn't, it wasn't salvageable. But, um, I always think Yorkshire puddings are an interesting one to gauge what level your barbecuing's barbecuing is at, because there is quite a science to it. Mm. Once you, once you get the technique down, simple is a strong word, but mm. um, you know what you're doing. But the first mm. few times on a barbecue is a minefield, absolute mm. minefield.
2: Yeah. It does help if you've got a, um, uh, an infrared, is an infrared thermometer you know, with a beam.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. To, to, so you can, you can gauge the temperature of the oil. um, so yeah, the one time I did toad in the hole, because it, it, I'd done Yorkshire puddings before and they were fine, but yeah, it was just it just wasn't hot enough. But it looked it was smoking. It looked hot enough, but it but it, it probably had another ten minutes to to heat up. In all honesty, I know some guys use have those infrared thermometers, which are handy because they they do measure their, their planches with them as well to make sure their planches are up to up to temperature too. But I mean, yeah, we'll try we'll try that again toad in the hole. It's a good it's a good, uh, classic, good
1: classic dish. Mm. I had a go at trying to do some cheese and marmite scones
0: Ooh, on the barbecue. That, that sounds interesting.
1: Yeah. It was a hairy biker's recipe uh from a book they launched towards the end of last year. And do you know on Instagram, Ramders, because the Six Nations got delayed, and there was that Six Nations beer yeah, snack festival. I remember that, yeah. That, that was going on, the virtual vest festival. So I tried to get involved in that and I did a homemade Scotch egg and, and a number of different things. And I thought I'd try some at I've never done before, so I went for some cheese and Marmite scones. And the top half, blooming beautiful. They tasted <laughs> lovely. The bottom half was as black as you like. The grease-proof paper had got so hot that it actually kind of, like, cooked into the dough <laughs> of the scones. So, so I, just couldn't se- I, <laughs> I couldn't separate the baking paper from the bottom of these scones. So... Literally, all of them were. I ended. I could only eat half of every single one, so I managed to have, you know, oh, okay. four yeah. de- four decent halves. <laughs> but
2: they were really black, really black. I haven't done. I've done. I've done a blondie on the offset. That was just using it as a grill. That's, I think that's the only sort of baking I've done done on the barbecues, which basically like a brownie but with white chocolate and yeah. and um, pecans. Well, that that was really nice. Um, it did take a while because of cooking it indirect, because I was so fearful of, of, you know, burning it to a crisp. But it, it, it took about four hours um, <laughs> cooking it indirect. It was okay, yeah. I think guys cook brownies, and one of the barbecue bingos was cake, wasn't it? Yeah, and he did. A, right. He did a very impressive job with that. But it I does don't... help
0: when you're a professional chef, to be fair. True, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't, my baking isn't, isn't the best. And I can't bake. Do, I do dabble with a bit of try and make sourdough, and I and my last sourdough, which was yesterday, was just a disaster. I think my starter had died, but yeah, no, it was just that's that's getting in the bin. So baking, I'm not. I, yeah, I'm quite happy to do. So you know, vegetables. I'm not just pure because obviously my partner's a vegetarian. We do, I do do some some veggies. It's a bit difficult actually. I probably need another. It's a good good excuse to get another master touch because just just mindful of cooking vegetables on grills that I've cooked meat on, yeah. um, just out of respect for for her. In that respect, I mean, she can buy things to put them in, but sometimes you just want to put them on the on the grates. But, but ultimately, um, the,
1: the veggie does taste better when it's sat with meat juices.
2: <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> we do. Um, yeah, and I've. I've I find it quite hard to get the veggies right. Um, so I've done a couple of sort of celeriacs, um, cauliflower, and, and quite easy to oversmoke or just not cook till they're tender. But we'll, we'll keep going because it's not all necessarily about the meat and I'm trying to do some interesting sides whenever I can. But it's, it's quite difficult. Yeah, it's not, it's not any easier. I'm mm.
0: laughing because um, we <laughs> Owen and I work together and about three weeks ago we we had a group chat like meeting with a load of people from work just like a coffee morning type thing and um, one of the women we work <laughs> with was um, saying oh, I've got I live with a vegetarian it's an absolute nightmare like trying to separate stuff and we're like right she's like so I've just stopped doing it so like, what do you mean she's like yeah so the other day um, I said I was going to make everyone a pie so I made a pie and, um, I, I, just, she said that it was one of the ones that like, obviously you don't get the full case. You get a slice. So she said, hers, I just removed the bits of meat from, and gave it to her. And she said, this is the best pie I've ever had. Like, it is. It's phenomenal. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I bet it is. I was like, yeah, we did stuff stuffing the other day. I just left the meat in. She didn't know. So it's fine. I was like, "It's that fine? But you're right. It you tastes better with the juices, you- right? <laughs>
2: Oh dear. <laughs> I'm not sure I could get away with that. <laughs> not at all. No, well I, I, I posted something the other day, actually. Just putting putting a rub on, on a vegetable can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um so that was just on parsnips. And that was I didn't even cook those parsnips on, on barbecue. I was in just is in a bacon movie. rub. Um that was it was heavily sugar-based. It was Kansas rub by Firefly, which the, the main ing- or the first ingredient is muscovado sugar. So it's 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 it is a lot of sugar in there, so obviously, you know, good way of cooking pasta with honey or something over mm. the yeah. top. But that, that worked well, and we put peri peri on cauliflower just to give it
0: cauliflower you know, and heat it, work so well together, mm, so mm. well.
2: I'd like to do more of it, but my partner's not. She's not fussed. If you, you know, if I cook it in the oven, or cook it on the barbecue. To be honest, but.
0: Um, I I don't know if you've ever tried this: a smoked cauliflower cheese is phenomenal is it absolutely phenomenal i mean I, I love cauliflower like just anything with cauliflower is good and anything with cheese is good so when you bring those two things together mm. and add smoke it's magical it just there's something about that vegetable that just absorbs flavor mm. And mm. when you, when you smoke it with the cheese as well and it all just absorbs that flavor it's I, i'd highly recommend trying mm. that try if try you that. haven't yeah. before
1: yeah to see more content on our social media channels, follow the hashtag Meat barbecue podcast. And for our cooking challenges, we set our guests each week. Hashtag barbecue bingo. We've talked quite a lot about meat. So let's go on to one of our regular conversations. And actually, Nick, I'm quite excited to talk to you about this side of things. But we normally talk about what we're drinking, mm. you know, uh, a, a right now, but also kind of generally what we drink when we barbecue. And actually, one thing about your page is you've got quite a lot of beer content on there. Actually, as well as your cooks, haven't you?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. And that was a was a lockdown thing, I think, for me. So whilst my my Instagram page is I don't know eighteen months old, maybe barbecue as I as I sort of mentioned wasn't something I I'd, I'd started in but in, in lockdown it was before that. But I think my interest in Craft beers and particularly IPA, because you see it's dominated by IPA. It's really started sort of at the beginning of 2020 and kind of continued really. So I I started, you know, just interested in how many different IPAs I could that were actually out there. And I used to drink, you know, a 100 different IPAs in 2020. And that's not, wow, that's not drinking heavily. That's just, you know, a couple at the weekend and just one binge session. (laughs) (laughs) well it was it was it was a week i'm not gonna
0: the the um, thing is uh, you're completely right about how bloated the market is at the moment with ipas it's not necessarily a bad thing but there's so many of them around i imagine if you did a hundred different ipas in theory you could have done that across maybe eight different breweries i'm sure you did more but there's that no, many did, IPAs yeah, out at the moment. Yeah. That there's that many IPAs. Everyone's got like lots of different touches and different versions and slightly different flavours of them.
2: I think I could do another different hundred if yeah, I was easy. counting this yeah. year. I'm not counting. I am I am trying to, to 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 drink different ones that I've not tried before. Um, but I'm not counting this year. But I could I easily do hundred different ones again. And what I've got under is this is West Coast Sun Medallion from Pomona Island. Mm-hmm. Um, Brewery, which is they're based in Salford that's west coast so I think I prefer the cloudy ones and the, and the kind of really thick juicy IPAs that you can get rather than the clear west coast ones but I kind of yeah the, the kind of posting them on Instagram is really a way of me being able to count them when I was counting how many different ones I could drink yeah. in 2020 and I just keep yeah, you know, just keep keep putting them on really because there is a little bit of a kind of a subculture within the barbecue community that you've probably seen that and um, there are some, some craft beer mm. enthusiasts and what well, fanatics basically. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to just kind of share share what you're drinking, really, because there are some, some some gems out there, and there's also probably some ones to avoid. And now, if I'm drinking something from a supermarket shelf, it's kind of oh, I've moved on. I'm a bit of a snob now. I probably am a <laughs> craft beer snob. Um, oh God, I've evolved. <laughs> but I, I feel like I should be. You know, it's Something I would want to drink more craft beer and and kind of support the smaller breweries and you know experiment a bit more. So if I'm, you know cracking out something that's that I would have just drunk as 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 normal three or four years ago, you kind of think, well, am I missing out on something? cool so yeah, it's mainly IPAs, occasional kind of porter um, mm-hmm. out of Christmas, trying to you know sort of something like a porter. I had to, yeah, my partner's Polish and we went to Poland. Last um, January, mm-hmm. before was before lockdown. We went to Gdansk, which we, I'd never been to before, oh, I'd which love is in, to go in to the Gdansk. north. The uh, north, and, and it was still Christmas. They don't they don't shut Christmas down until right at the end of January. Mm. So I, I was like, we landed, and there was like Christmas trees, right which really <laughs> nice. And I had, we went to one restaurant there, and I had a, I think it was like a twelve percent porter. <laughs> it, was, wow. it was good stuff. I can't remember what it was called, but.
1: Yeah, no. It it's because you've drunk twelve percent beer. That's why you can't remember. It was, a, <laughs> it
2: was. That was a good drop. Yeah. So, yeah. Occasionally, I'll I'll dabble outside of IPAs, and occasionally I I like to have a a bottle of single malt in yes. the house. Yes, well. love
0: music to my ears. May I um, um, may I recommend two Instagram accounts to you? So, okay. um, I don't think I've mentioned this on here before. So, since lockdown started. Me and a group of university friends, every Friday, do a video call, which we've named Drink and Rate. And the whole point is, you're meant to have a different alcoholic beverage, every single drink you have, then you rate it, and then one Mm. of my friends puts it up on a website so you can go back and check. And the whole point was, we thought the first lockdown was going to be three weeks, and after those three weeks, we were all going to meet up and you'd know what your favourite drinks were. Mm. So we've kept that going you know, other people can have the same drinks you've had, but the whole point is you have a different drink every single time. So like I'm on like something like 300 different drinks over the course of the last year or so, but there's two Instagram accounts off it, which are amazing, but also give you very different types of beers because the whole point is they're trying to highlight stuff that they didn't even know existed before they started Mm -hmm. looking. So one of them is just called drink and rate, You'll be able to okay. find it. Yeah. And the photos on there are phenomenal. Like the guy who runs it, Jason's done a really good job on that. And the other one is DNR London, which is um, one of the other guys on there. Anthony runs that. And because of how much of a back catalogue we've had over the last year, they try and put either their favourite stuff on there or something that's completely different. So if you're someone mm. who's out there looking for different types of drinks – I'd highly recommend looking at those two accounts. Mm,
2: okay.
0: um, yeah. It's also why Owen probably laughs at me every single time I'm asked what I'm drinking. and I go into depth <laughs> and he's like, I'm not going to go into that much depth. I like this beer. It tasted nice. <laughs> but, That's exactly what I'm going to do in a second. <laughs> but um, everyone's reacted to lockdown differently across the world. And I think that it's opened up a lot of uh, different passions and interests in people and one of the things that I've found is just trying different alcohols I've enjoyed. And it means that in theory, once this is over, I'll just stick to my favourites. Mm. Um, I actually think what it means is once this is over, I'm going to keep trying different things because I'm enjoying that experience. But it is getting harder and harder to find different alcohols out there. I, I think so is that love... is
2: when you say different drinks, though, do you mean... It could be, you know, a different IPA or you're, you're literally drinking, you know, one 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 day you're drinking sherry, the next drink day you're drinking or, or something so like So
0: it could be different IPAs, but as Owen will tell you, I am the type that I like to try and have literally a different alcohol each drink I have each night. So some nights I've done like if we're on we'll start at 10 and because we've got friends we went to university with who now live in like canada and america sometimes we'll be on there until three or four in the morning mm. in which case i might have six seven eight different drinks and normally i try and make them every single different thing so i'll have a single malt i'll have a blended whiskey i'll have an ipa i'll have a porter i'll have a vice a beer which you know the only thing is when you're rating the further in a night you get, <laughs> the happier you are with every drink you have. 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's been a great experience for me. And I'd highly recommend people, when you can start seeing each other again, each of you go get a load of different types of alcohols, if you're alcohol drinkers. If you're not, just get different types of drinks. Mm. Sit together in a group and just try different things. Mm. Because not only we is it a great experience, it's fun, you're going to experience something you've not experienced before. Mm. Mm. So Owen, what's your current drink and how are you rating it?
1: <laughs> well, strap in. This is going to be a half hour talk. Um, <laughs> so I've ran out of my Flavorly subscription box for the month. So I just picked up something at Tesco's today and I've got a Whitstable Bay Pale Ale. It's just kind of a citrusy pale ale. I don't know if you've had this before. I think it's quite quite a well-known brand yeah i enjoy it Mm. (laughs) that's that's my rating
0: (laughs) if you enjoy it that's the most important thing right most important thing
1: yeah i mean i've had a few you know i had maybe four or five other ones while i was cooking this afternoon so i mean i don't know i could be drinking water now it's fine
0: (laughs) 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 knowing you as i do i'm proud that you're not asleep well done (laughs) thank you
2: so you, you do you i mean do you guys when you're Cooking generally, are you are you drinking at the same time?
0: I
1: am. Are you
2: uh,
1: only during at the weekend, not during
2: the right. week?
0: Yeah. That's yeah. true, actually. Well, what I tend to do is if I'm cooking midweek, I'm more likely to have one beer that's tall, or even I will, say if I've got like a tall can, I'll water it down with like lemonade and I'll make it last two or three. But if it's the weekend and it's a six-hour cook, when I put it on, I'll have my first drink, and then I'll just see yeah. how the day goes, basically. <laughs> but at the same time, I know if I'm cooking, how to pace myself. If I'm in a pub, different question altogether. But um, You know, over a six-hour cook, I might only have two or three different drinks, but um, I just enjoy it. If it's a weekend, that, that's how I unwind. If I can be outdoors with something like a brisket on, for a few hours, with family around, and I've just got like a, a beer on the go, or even if it's like a whiskey that I'm just sipping slowly, I can't think of much better. I cannot think of much better than that sort of relaxing atmosphere. It's part of the reason that I I'd, I'd keep looking at the ceramic barbecues at the moment, and Owen keeps laughing at me. I found an offer that I'm keeping an eye on, because I think the price is going to drop on it soon, and if it does, I'll end up with a a commando Joe, but, but but we'll see. But um, when it gets hotter, my ideal Saturday would be going outside at like 8 or 9 a.m., firing that up, putting a brisket or some like ribs on it. Being in the UK, for any foreign listeners, it's going to be a much smaller brisket than you guys are used to. <laughs> you know, if, if there's like three of us, and my daughter is four, that it might be like a kilo or two kilo brisket. And if I can be literally outdoors from that time until like eight or 9 p.m. with a drink in my hand without going crazy, that is the perfect Saturday for me.
2: Hmm. Does that ever happen? <laughs> <To> me,
0: the, <laughs> do you know what? Last... Did you,
2: you not have a list of jobs to do <laughs> given to you by your uh, domestic commander in chief?
0: That's what Sunday is for. <laughs> that's, that's what sundays are for right, okay. for me like a lot of people think sunday's the day of rest not for me right so You're sunday's the day your of jobs. All your um, yeah.
2: you've deferred from the previous day
0: yeah exactly.
1: i might have a list of, i might have a list of jobs but at the top of it is to sit there and keep annoying eye yeah. on that barbecue and i can't leave <laughs> because i don't want to ruin that piece of meat therefore i have to sit there and i'm going to get thirsty so i might as well have a beer mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. do your other, other halves like the food that you cook
0: yeah. Yes. So my wife was really sceptical when I first got the bar, uh, this barbecue in kind of August, which I was almost unfair because I previously was using a gas barbecue and I had been doing it for years and we got it because we liked the idea of cooking outside. Mm. But we were always fearful of how long it would take to fire up and everything. So the gas barbecue, I'd get home from work at about six and, you know, we could be having food by half six, seven o'clock. So she was used to me cooking outdoors, mm. <laughs> but but originally she was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then two or three weeks in, she was fine with it. And now she's asking me what I'm going to be doing. For example, today, I hadn't intended necessarily to actually barbecue anything. I ordered, on Friday, I ordered some beef short ribs, um, which I've never cooked before. And I'm excited for them to arrive and um, a brisket. And I'm expecting them to arrive tomorrow. So if they arrived in the morning then I might have tried to rush together and do something to be ready for like literally late evening. But otherwise I wasn't really intending to do much this, this weekend. But again, this is an example of how quick it can be. Got to quarter to five and Steph was like, should we have something on the barbecue? And that was when I decided to do the satay burgers because I was thinking, mm. right, well, if I do burgers, it'll be quick. I can put it together. I've got mints ready, it'll be fine. But I want to do something different. I fancy something Asian, that's why I did it. But you know, that, that conversation happened at quarter to five, and Steph had hers first because I did hers without the satay mix, and she probably had hers at latest half five. Mm. It's very easy and possible to do, particularly yeah. with a plancher if you're doing Smash Burgers. I, mm. I, I keep saying it every week, or I have done for the last three. I cannot recommend a plancher enough to change the cooking experience on a kettle if you've never used one before. Mm. Just opens up that versatility, particularly with how hot you can get that plate.
2: Mm. So I mean, for you, I mean for your ribs that you did today, did you I suppose your plate up you couldn't have had two or three, quite a modest amount. Did, <laughs> <laughs> did everyone else scoff
1: them? So yeah, my my family are massively supportive of the of barbecue. They love barbecue food. My wife's not even bothered the amount of barbecues that I've got and the extra ones that I want to buy. And she's all for all for that. My kids really like barbecue food as well. So I did two racks of ribs today, and I think I've got two two pieces of two actual yeah. ribs left.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, my son is six. My daughter's eight, and between them, they're a rack of spare ribs. Between oh. them, <laughs> it's my son's. It's my son's favorite, and he just yeah, you know, he had five ribs on his own. So yeah, I get I get no trouble at all. My daughter likes to barbecue with me, and she's got her own barbecue. Mm. So, it's it's quite a, yeah, it's quite a family experience.
2: Oh, good. Yeah.
1: What about what about your your partner? D- does she like getting involved or like?
2: No, well, I said she's vegetarian, so she's. you um, she could chuck
0: veggies on the side when you're doing your cooks? No. Not,
2: <laughs> no, she's not. No, not at all. Yeah, I do get do get some uh, you know comments now and again, <laughs> but you know I can I can you know manage that. I manage that. But, <laughs> In terms of how much I'm you know spending. because I mean there is you know, spending time outside doing it if everyone else is inside at the weekend maybe haven't seen me at all during the week anyway and I'm outside a lot at the weekend cooking but you know we try and do things together there'll always be that list of jobs that she wants me to do for me it is a bit of a lone wolf experience my daughter's not, she's not really interested you know she's quite got limited interest in food other than quavers and Kit cats at the moment
0: there's nothing wrong <laughs> um, with waivers.
2: there is no, not, not every day though but <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah it is a, it is a bit of a solo experience for me which is fine really only pleasing pleasing myself I just have to make sure that if I am d- you know down to do the, the family cook as well that there is something for them to eat at the same time <laughs> but yeah no so it's a little bit different from from, from others you from yourselves and you know you see people with you know, their kids are in their videos and all getting you know stuck in and the whole family's tucking into their barbecue but yeah slightly different different for me so a lot of what I do you know some of it, you know lasts a few days some of it goes in the freezer try not to waste waste any of it you know those pork belly burnt ends which were in- inedible. <laughs> do you guys you cook recipes a lot or are you tending to try and make your own your own dishes if I'm trying something new I will generally
1: follow a recipe and I've got a number of barbecue recipe books you know a few of the Weber recipe books mm. so I'll tend to kind of follow those although I'm one of those people if I don't have all of the ingredients if I can't be bothered to go get it I will just kind of do it without and just mm. make it to the best of my ability so it, you know it won't necessarily taste the same a lot of what I do actually with cooking, I will just, and even if I'm not on the barbecue, you know, if I make a chili or a spaghetti bolognese or whatever it is, I don't measure. I just free pour and just just mm. do it to my own
2: taste, mm. really. So a bit of both. Yeah, because you know, people have have asked me about certain things I've done, not very often, but now and again, and, and I have no idea how much stuff I put in. I just, <laughs> you know, I haven't I haven't weighed it out, thinking I need to tell someone that someone will be interested in this. I just chucked it in and it's just it's just come out how it has. And I used to write stuff down when I was learning. And I was I did I did enroll on the barbecue kind of course. So James, I don't know if you if you know James from barbecue.com. Um so he kind of did a or does a kind of a barbecue course. For beginners. I didn't join as a beginner. I just I joined for other reasons. But one of the things he advocates is is make take notes, is write, write everything down. And I did start to do that and I kind of just got out of the habit. But it would be useful, we have, if someone actually said, Well, how did you make that? If you've made your own rub, for example, or, or you've made a sauce, or so I made I made I made a sauce last year with um just with windfall apples from a farm and, and hedgerow blackberries, and I just made it up. It was just, you know, just on the stove, made it up. I don't know how much of what I put in it. There was a little bit of habanero sauce went in there and, and a bit of sugar. And I don't know how what quantities I used. It tasted out really well. You know, it was really good. Yeah, I know. You know, managed to make enough for a couple of bottles. Try and do it again, you know, sort of in the autumn um, when those fruits are, are around. But if yeah, someone asked me, you know, what, what went in it, I going to be able to tell you i was just curious, just because I know some people do. They do buy cookbooks and they go through them quite religiously, cooking on, on you know the, the, the dishes on the barbecue. And it's not, it's not something I do. I kind of like you. I mean, all, I've got a few to re- to reference if I want to remind myself how I did something before or, or or check on something I'm doing new. But generally, I don't. I'm not following recipes, and a lot of the particularly of the, the one pot cooks i do is is very much just to taste if i think it's if it's not spicy enough i'll just show mm. some more chili sauce in there or taste sauce is or.
0: so important because you can be following any recipe if you if you are so inclined but if you taste it and it's not right for you that doesn't mean that you have to stop because mm. the book says otherwise you have to make it to the best of to your flavor because everyone's palate's different that's what i want to say to you is kind of define recipe so i have a load of cookbooks that i like to read and i take ideas from but I'm will. i not the type of person who'd have that page open as I'm doing Mm. what I'm doing. But similarly, if I'm doing something low and slow, apart from chicken, where I use the rule um, 75, stay alive, I will always check the temperatures of, of what it needs to be online. And if you're doing something like a brisket and you decide, right, I'm just going salt and pepper, but then you're checking online for temperatures to kind of cook to and when you're going to wrap and stuff, does that count as following a recipe?
2: No, no. The question was, was if you've got, I want to cook a dish. Yeah. I don't know, like, what's that, that, I can't pronounce it, that dish with tomatoes and eggs in it. Tomato-y um, eggs. Yeah, that's you, <laughs> <laughs> Eggy tomatoes. <laughs> um, it's quite, it's quite vogue to do it. People have it for breakfast. I can't remember what it's called, mm-hmm. but it would be, I wouldn't know how to make it. So I would, I would go to a recipe and I would follow it through, you know, X grams of this, Y grams of that and and do it so that that's what i would mean you know going a specific dish to um to follow it through but you no know, i check on temperatures all the time and then and then it will throw up something with pork and you know or oh, pork's internal temperature save has dropped you know the, the the us have dropped it to 145 fahrenheit now and, and i don't know just kind of a bit of slightly confusing with pork with chops and what have you and and, and and things like that but no i do it all the time Check check remind myself what the safe internal temp of something is. Mm. Yeah. yeah, me too. Should we do a bit of barbecue bingo?
0: I think it's our time, isn't it? I think it's our time. To me, from what you've been saying, I think a signature dish is pulled pork, but correct me if I'm wrong, please do.
2: Uh, for me, to be honest, I don't think I, I don't think I have one. I don't do pulled pork that often.
0: <laughs> and may I yeah, suggest um... something... If signature dish comes up, I want you to do a bread and butter pudding on the barbecue. Okay. <laughs> oh.
2: okay. Can you see the wheel? Veggie meal would be like a busman's holiday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so I'm oh. going to spin the wheel, and if you're not if you're not familiar with the barbecue bingo, so we'll spin this wherever it lands on. If you could then take that challenge, go away, cook something for us, tag us in on uh, on Instagram and for Facebook. Uh, use the hashtag barbecue bingo and yeah, we've had some fantastic cooks so far and I'm really excited to see what you get. Are you ready? Yep.
2: Yeah. Fire away.
1: Let's click to spin.
2: (laughs) Marmite.
1: (laughs) Marmite.
0: I love it. I absolutely
2: love it. It says I have a winner. I'm not sure we do have a winner with that. (laughs) Are you a lover or a hater? Um, I don't eat it. No. Um, no, but I will do. I will do that challenge. That's fine. It's not. That's that's really interesting because that's going to need some thought. Yeah, that's very interesting. Chicken.
1: Yeah, I've had Marmite chicken before. Asian, in China. Yes. Is that a thing? I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had it in a Chinese restaurant before. Just okay. chicken breasts in like a Marmite sauce. It's really good.
0: I regularly cook with Marmite. I think a teaspoon of Marmite is really good in a chili.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, that's an really interesting one. That's quite, yeah. Let's give some thoughts of that.
0: Well, we've been asking you questions for the last two hours, but mm. do you have any questions that you'd like to ask us at all? Or even do you have a question that you think people should be talking about more in the barbecue community, which no one seems to be doing?
2: I'm just going is, to, is, is community kind of orientated? How do you see the community evolving I know Dan, you've sort of said on one of the previous broadcasts about you don't think there's enough talk and conversation. And do you think that would need to take a different medium to say Instagram lives? And, and how do you see the the need for that conversation fitting in and, and, and evolving as the community grows?
0: Recently, in the UK, there was an article in the Guardian about uh, British barbecuing, and it was with um, John Trowed and um, the other guy from MasterChef, kind of saying British barbecues awful. It's all about kind of um, black on the outside, raw on the inside, plastic utensils. It's not good. Stick to what you're doing. Now, I felt that was done a bit tongue in cheek, and it was also done to sell a magazine, a uh, magazine, a newspaper, and sell a read. But what I liked about it was that it actually got people talking passionately for about a week. Now, mm. it wasn't even necessarily in Instagram Lives. Loads of people put up posts talking about how amazing British barbecue is, how the community's been growing, how they've been so inspired over the last year. And some people got so passionate and angry about it that at later dates, they took their posts down And I personally loved the passion in the original post. I won't name names because they obviously took them down for a reason. And some of them were quite big profiles. But that was an example of where there was a wider discussion about barbecue rather than just look what I've done here. Look how pretty this picture is. And I really enjoyed that. And it surprised me because if you'd asked me that two weeks ago, I would have probably said, I think it needs more instagram lives i think it needs more forums where people are actively talking um, and that's uh, he's a big reason why we did the podcast however that opened up my eyes to the fact that people can have discussions on instagram through posts which i hadn't considered before because it is such an image heavy social media format Mm. but conversations were opened up there I just, I, I can't quite see how you start those conversations without that type of news story first. Without but dropping I, a
2: grenade into <clears throat> the middle exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: but yeah. I do think that's the next evolution. So people mm. are being inspired by what they're seeing people cook and how they're cooking it. They're learning from what people are doing. But I personally think the next step is people almost just saying, what are you cooking this Sunday? What meat have you got? How are you looking to cook it? What's your favourite setup? Mm. How just just those kind of open questions and more of a forum going on? Mm. Whether Instagram is the correct social media outlet for that type of conversation is yet to be seen, mm. but I think that's the next step. Personally, mm. what about you, own?
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with what you what you're saying, and I think this this summer is going to be quite interesting. Um, because obviously a lot of the growth of the community has happened over the last twelve months. Mm-hmm. and I think as our our freedoms become or come back to us, I think actually uh, conversations will naturally happen when people can start meeting up again, can start having cooks together, you know festival you know smoke f- cooking festivals, barbecue competitions and stuff yeah. start to get back on on track actually there's going to be a bit more physical uh, interaction which will naturally then spill over into social media into podcasting into into newspapers and magazines and also obviously there is a great magazine at the moment isn't there the barbecue magazine yeah which is a UK based magazine I don't know if you've seen it uh, Yeah, yeah 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 so again I subscribe to that but again it's it's just another medium of a way of kind of getting more people interested into into barbecue so that's also another format i think um,
2: do you do you I think exciting conversation may also or, or the whole community may also evolve when there are more products available in our market whether that's you know barbecue specific cuts of meat are more readily available you know butchers are doing that as, as kind of you know, standard and um, whether there's more you know, competitive priced, decent lumpwood on the market. We have quite limited choices, I think. And whether whether suppliers you know, will see an opportunity and and you know certain types of. I mean, we're 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 not short of rubs. Rubs is fine, I think. Sources, I think, is fine. The, the choice of barbecues is pretty extensive as well.
0: Do you know what? I think like, I th- that's a great question. The the point that you just said about barbecues, I, I slightly disagree with because I've been doing research recently on ceramic barbecues. Mm. And until I started looking in depth at that, I was only really aware of two, maybe three brands. N- not only that, I didn't realize that the one that Aldi had been doing, which a lot of people have been ranting and raving about because of the price point, is a garden line, ceramic. Mm. But before mm. I started actually looking into it, I only knew about Big Green Egg and Camado mm. Joe. I didn't know about Monolith. I didn't know about Primo. I've seen quite a few French brands that I'd never heard of before.
2: It's the Ovo one as well, isn't it? Yeah, come yeah, yeah. The, the guys use yeah, but
0: yeah. some of those are very hard to come across in are the they? UK. No. Mm. And if you do, there's not that much information on some of the sites I found them. It's just this grill it doesn't mm. tell you what accessories it comes with. It doesn't, you can see on those websites, particularly if you go on Google yes. with Google translate now, some of the French ones, and they talk and boast about the fact they've got, some of them have got five different kind of cooking areas. And that, that, that's how or cooking zones, that's how they separate themselves from Kamado Joe and big green egg that have like four or two, depending on the setups. But if you went on some of these websites and had a look, you wouldn't get that. It just says really? it's okay. this grill, yeah. Um, That's interesting.
2: So maybe then, maybe then, the the market in in grills as well needs to needs to react to the to the surge in interest that we have. But I I was just thinking that, and maybe, yeah, maybe my 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 comment was because I haven't really looked for a new a new bit of kit at all since getting the master touch. In in terms of some of the sort of consumable products that we we need to use all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, smoking wood and lump wood, in particular. Whether and and also, you know, butchers reacting and being a bit more barbecue savvy as well. Whether that will further kind of ev- help support the evolution um, of barbecue in this country, and whether whether they'll, you know, there are suppliers out there that will see that as an opportunity or not.
0: Owen's definitely more of an expert on the meat front for me because I know he's been looking at a few different places. And um, again, being in Suffolk, I don't get access to some of the online butchers that source everything through some of the London markets that sometimes have some of the best, particularly the imports from America. And I know Owen's been looking around at the kind of different meat types more than me, I'd argue. So you've probably got a better understanding on that side, Owen.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest frustration at the moment is stock because of this surge in interest which is fantastic because more people are are interested in barbecuing and more people are getting into it as a as a hobby and and that style of cooking which is only a good thing but actually when you when you're consistently barbecuing three or four times a week and like you said these consumable goods Stock is a real pain in the backside at the moment. Everything's out of, you know, everything's mm. out of stock. It's actually mm. quite difficult to get some of the things that you need. So I think we just just need more stock of things, it, it, you know, uh, like we've spoke about on a few a few of these podcasts about the only fire retisseries.
2: Mm.
1: They're like, it's like a lot winning the lottery, getting one of those, uh, you know, at the moment. And
0: mm.
1: we were talking again, not necessarily barbecue related, but about beer machines last week, again, you can't get them, you know, you can't really? get them yeah. for love nor money, so that's I think an issue that if we just because there is that surge, we just need to have our retailers have more stock, mm. or we just well, perhaps we're not looking around hard enough for them. Mm. But mm. in terms of the meat side of things, yes, if butchers are more aware of the kind of American style cuts of meat that traditionally is associated with low and slow mm. and having that readily available is only going to encourage people to want to try it. I usually go to a local butcher, but he is a traditional English butchers and it's actually very difficult to come by, you know, the Boston, butt. you know, the, the flat point and, and, you know, pack of briskets, you know, these mm. big, huge pieces of meat which then makes it difficult. Then I'm then trying to search online for other things. Um, I mean, just location wise, I'm quite lucky that I'm in Essex so that Ford, uh, Ford and sons Mm. who go to London, you know, Smithfield market every morning and get the Mm. the meat. I I do get to have that American style meat and it's quite easily accessible for me, but obviously they couldn't deliver to you. And perhaps your local butcher doesn't Mm. have it. Therefore you're always, you're always looking for online opportunities. So it does take away the sort of support local element of
2: it. Yeah, a little bit. I kind of, i kind of done a lot of other kind of joints, um, sort of, you know, more, more English, I guess you say more English. I, mean, I haven't done ribs for a long time. Ribs just, you just don't walk into a butcher's here and find St. Louis ribs you know, on the counter, Even, no matter how good your butcher is. They just, they just don't, you know, they just don't seem to do ribs a great deal. So I've been doing doing a lot of kind of, joints and and sort of more classic English stuff. I guess I used to. I mean, I have bought online last year. Possibly do that again,
0: but no, that's just interesting online.
2: to to, to, to yeah. sort of look at how we feel that you know that the retailers and whatnot, the supply chain is is meeting demand. It's just, in, just interesting what your your perspective on that.
0: I think that um, compared to America, um, even Australia, Canada. Again, if you walk into a supermarket in the UK, you are really limited in your options when you're looking at barbecuing and low and slow. You'll be very lucky to find a brisket in a supermarket in the UK. If you do, it's very much lower end budget. There's not much fat on it. It's a much, much smaller cut. The beef isn't fed in the same way. Um, Not only that, it's quite often rolled. As well, So if you want like a decent brisket to cook with, you need to either speak to a butcher to order it in or order it online. Again, with ribs, as you've said yourself, I find it quite hard to actually track down decent beef ribs. (laughs) Mm. Uh, I I need to order them online or I need to speak to a butcher and ask for them almost two weeks in advance, which might even sound like comical if you're in a different country and you see the type of cooks that people are regularly doing but I do think that will improve in the next maybe 18 months because of what we're seeing at the moment. There is definitely, Mm. you know, Will said this compared to the population of the UK, it's probably a mini boom in barbecuing, but there's definitely something going on, which I think will transform the amount of meats available to us in the next 18 months. Mm.
1: Mm. I suppose what we should say as well, really, is there are, Still, plenty of butchers and yeah. and retailers that will do those cuts of meat, but perhaps we've just not sourced them us. You know, we've not found just them a, locally yeah, to yeah, us.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, not even that. It's I think a normal butcher will do it for you, but it's not high in demand, so you need to give them notice.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you can't you can't just wake up and say, "Why well, do you know what I fancy rack of ribs?" So I'm just going to yeah. even the farm. My farm shop's great. You know, it's a really quite good quality butcher's counter. But I would, I couldn't walk in. They wouldn't have, you know, a nice rack of St. Louis ribs there waiting for me to just to buy, you know. Which is, and I'm not sure we, we we perhaps wouldn't mean that never get to that point. But I don't know. Just I'm just kind of yeah. How there's an whether whether they think there's an opportunity there, or as you said, is it just a mini boom and perhaps it's 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 peaked. Would um, be interesting to see.
0: Everyone has a different opinion, but I I think because of the way that I think work throughout the UK will probably change in the next six to ten months, if more people are working from home, they'll have more time and opportunity to do the type of cooks that low and slow barbecue is, Mm. particularly as our weather's very different from some of the other countries that we're talking about. But if you're working from home more, you've got the opportunity to chuck something on at lunch. And it'd be low and slow and then it'll be ready for you after you finished work, which mm-hmm. if you're in an office Monday to Friday, you just don't have time to do.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's a fair I, point. I, yeah.
1: I think, I think the, the, what you've mentioned earlier about, will we ever get to that point where it is just readily available everywhere? I probably think not. Mm. I, I think, I just don't think the interest will be the core interest, you know, for like us, you know, where we're cons- constantly barbecuing, it doesn't matter if it's rain, wind, snow, hail, whatever, we will get out there, we will cook. If it's a Monday, Sunday, whatever,
2: mm.
1: I suppose, fundamentally, probably not enough people in the country would be willing to do that three or four times a week, you know, every single month of the year. So, you know, naturally bigger retailers, let's say a Tesco's, a, you know, Waitrose, etc. cetera, their focus for barbecue, is probably May through to to August. Mm. And and that's that's when the demand's highest. That's when they cater for it most. So. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Well, Nick... Sorry, oh,
2: I brought the mood down. <laughs> not, <laughs> not
0: <all. laughs> not no, not at all. Not at all. I think it's a good conversation. <clears throat> for, uh... And I also want to say thank you for taking two and a half hours out of your Saturday to spend the time to sit down and talk to two grumpy guys who <laughs> love barbecuing? <That's> <laughs> um, we can be um, and um, give your two pence on it. It's been great speaking to you, and not only do I wish you all the best in the future, but I'm sure we'll probably have you on again because there's still so many things that. No, we'll
2: yeah, that'd be good. About. It'd be good to have a have a catch up. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. And do you want to give Thank yourself you one last one last plug to anyone who's listening? How to find you and see what you're doing?
2: Oh yes, I, um, so I'm, I'm really only on Instagram. Um, picnic barbecue mostly weekend cooks so most of my activities at the weekend as we've, we've, we've spoken I you know mainly put posts on my on my grid as they call it post up my beers as well so yeah do do get in touch it's always good to get get feedback and, and conversation going even if it's just on on posts that's where you'll find me
1: brilliant well thanks for your time Nick and we look forward to seeing what you do with Marmite Oh yeah, mom!
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sleepless night first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag barbecue bingo. <laughs> yep.
2: Great, thank you both.
1: Right, cheers, Nick. That's it for another episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue Podcast. Thanks to Nick for joining us from Picnic Barbecue. You can find him on Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you on the show. So if you could contact us to let us know about anything that you'd like to discuss on the podcast or anything that we've discussed that you have some questions around or you'd love us to explain in more detail, please get in contact through our social media channels. So That's meet, greet, Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you can email us on meet, greet, BBQ, Podcast at gmail.com and check out our new website. Meet, greet, podcast.com. Also we'd love any reviews and uh, for you to like and subscribe
3: and until next time keep on grilling